Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 187 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Man, oh man, Jacob, here we are, another day living. You go living, I'll go the other way. It's another day, get busy dying. It's all... Oh, you did a little a little red quote. I love it. Hey, you, gotta, you gotta love it, man. We're, we're sophisticated on this show. You know that. I feel like today is just so much news keeps coming up of this day in particular. So did you know, Jacob, that on this day, 50 years ago, The Godfather was released? Really? Yeah. Oh, all right. That's a pretty that's a pretty big day. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, Godfather, pretty, pretty good movie. <laughs> if you've uh, never heard of it. Mediocre book, really good movie. So. Oh, I thought the book was great. A lot of people don't like the book as much, but oh, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, but if you're gonna watch it, better get your own Netflix because you hear how they're cracking down on the password sharing. I hear that. Oh, Netflix! I don't know what you're thinking. You're making a huge mistake there. Um, it's supposed to yield them 1.6 billion dollars yearly for people to not share passwords. So. I know what I know what they think it's gonna yield them, but I feel like people are like, oh, I think I'm just gonna go get HBO Max. That they're not gonna charge me for extra viewings. I mean, maybe. We'll see. We'll Eventually see how it goes. they all are. And then Madeline Albright, first female U.S. Secretary of State. She just died. I just feel like there's, there's just a lot of stuff. And um, I just heard one that in, I think, 1972 or 73, mm-hmm. on this day, Lou Reed played in Buffalo. Oh. And a fan jumped on the stage and bit him in his butt. Oh. All right. <laughs> Interesting decision. So Yes, and then he like retorted with, "Americans are just creating real animals here." Well, so I mean, you we're get, like, "Well, you come get on. bit on the butt during a performance. It's, rude. it's understandable that you'd be a little upset." It's very. It's not. That's not good manners. I hope that's he was wearing like jeans or something. He was wearing like spandex. I believe he was wearing leather because I think after she bit his butt, she went leather. <laughs> oh well, what's he complaining about? You can't bite through hey. leather. He'll, he'll be no fine. one should be putting their face on your butt if you don't want their face on your butt. That's just well, that's just standard. That's kindergarten lesson. That's fair. That's um, fair. Don't just don't go putting your face on butts. Like I think in just general, just don't do it, people. But also, someone I love, Jane Goodall, is turning eighty-eight this April third. Oh, that's awesome! I right. actually. I forgot Jane Goodall was still alive, unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> thought... man, come on. She Legendary scientist, Absolutely conservationist, legendary. humanitarian. I mean, just groundbreaking discoveries that shaped our understanding of what it is to be human. Um, I'm a really big fan. Can I talk to you a little bit about Jane Goodall? By all means. Thank you. So in July of 1960, at the age of 26, Jane Goodall traveled from England to what is now Gombe Stream National Park in Tanzania and ventured into the little-known world of wild chimpanzees. I feel like now we know a lot of things about chimpanzees, but you have to think, like, at the time, we didn't know a whole lot. Yeah, we didn't know that there are chimpanzees are basically furry little murdering humans. That's (laughs) basically what they are. So she had no formal academic training. Um, She ventured into the forest to observe the chimpanzees. She was equipped with a little more than a notebook, binoculars... And that's pretty much it. And like a fascination with wildlife. And she braved this realm of unknowns to give the world a remarkable window um, into humankind's closest living relatives. And then through nearly 60 years of groundbreaking work, she made several observations about chimpanzee behavior that really challenged conventional scientific theories that were held at the time, including that chimpanzees are omnivores. 
not herbivores like they thought. Um, chimpanzees make and use tools. They have complex social interactions. And these insights really altered the way that we understand our place in the natural order. And her work really opened doors for other women and scientists. She's she's amazing. And like you kind of forget because she stopped doing field work in 1986, right. which is a long time ago. But well, because she gave, she became a movie star in 1986 around then, because that's when that uh, Sigourney Weaver movie came out, right? That's, that's not about her. Oh, it's not. I thought it was. No. Oh, I'm getting my uh, environmental. <laughs> You're your environmental ladies mentioned, but don't worry, that will come up. Um, so she stopped doing field work, but she does a ton of stuff. She travels approximately 300 days a year. Okay. Speaking about the threats facing chimps and environmental crises, and urging people to take action on behalf of you know, all living things in the planet that we share. Um, I often donate to the Jane Goodall Institute. So if you're ever looking for a place, that's a good one. I mean, her research is really important, not just in terms of, you know, learning about chimpanzee uh, behavior, but you also, like we said, we learned some stuff about evolution and um, things like that. Like, remember, the chimps, like, what, 99.9% same DNA as humans? There's only, like, that one small difference that it's, breaks It's crazy. Off. It's definitely crazy. So, um, yeah, today let's talk about some of those wild animals that come up in films or documentaries because yeah. I think those are all my favorites. And I feel like yours are, as always, going to be the better, <laughs> less violent options between the two of us. I feel strongly about that, too, but I do want to recommend just the Jane documentary. This came out a few years ago and they have just a trove of never before seen footage and it tells the story of Jane's early explorations and her research in Tanzania um, focuses on her groundbreaking field work, her relationship with her cameraman who became her husband um, and all the chimps that were the subject of her study. It is a really beautifully filmed uh, documentary and an overall enlightening look at decades of invaluable work and I want to recommend a book that she recently put out which is called The Book of Hope A Survival Guide for Trying Times I think I mentioned it in our in one episode of books that I really enjoyed but it's kind of that you know we're all looking at the headlines and there's a worsening climate crisis and a global pandemic and a loss of biodiversity and political upheaval and all of these things that it's really difficult to feel optimistic a lot of the time. Oh, I, I'd say that's a understatement. Uh, Absolutely. So the book feels really urgent because, you know, she's trying to tell us there's an there's another author, Douglas Abrams, who's interviewing her and asking her questions. And you get a really thought provoking dialogue um, of her talking about why she feels we should still have hope. And you know, there's things like the amazing human intellect she's talking about and the resilience of nature and the power of young people and just kind of the human spirit. And it leaves you feeling a little bit better after you read it. Maybe yeah. it's not all dark. I mean, you know, a lot of people can get depressed nowadays thinking like, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch. Is it cake? Like speaking of Netflix, like that's what people do with their time. Like, do you just, know, I, I mean, that looked amazing. And I watched like the beginning and I was like, this is the most boring, terrible show. It's ever. <laughs> not a great show. The cakes are impressive, but boy, I oh just boy. fast forwarded to the cake. Yeah. They got to work on that format. I don't even know what's going on with that, that show. format is trash. I was like, how did you make a show about delicious cakes that look like cool things? Terrible. T <laughs> t tune in next week for the cake cast. <laughs> <laughs> You're not all booked up, but just, yeah. Oh, that was 
I'm so funny that you just said that. Because now I'm angry. <laughs> we're going, oh, see, we're changing the tone. We're going after cakes now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, definitely go check out the deck. We need a little bit of hope and brightness in our lives nowadays. Yes. So, like I said, Jane Goodall um, influenced this episode. So, the movie that you had mentioned that I want to recommend that is a great one is Gorillas in the Mist mm-hmm. from 1988. But this movie, it's based on the story of the naturalist Diane Fossey. Oh, okay. And her That's work in Rwanda with Mount gorillas okay so i I mean it happens start out to sorry to jane goodall on that one she forgives you you think they have a blood feud (laughs) diane fossey and jane goodall i hope that they're just bff it's like the prestige with the (laughs) The magicians so this story is set first in the congo where fossey begins her study on the rare endangered mountain gorillas and then faced with the congo crisis she's forced to shift base to neighboring country rwanda but Rwanda had its own share of problems when it it's came been to a, it's been poaching. A little, yeah, it's been a little a little dicey over little, there for a A little bit of corruption. So this kind of began her struggle with the government in attempting to help conserve the rare animals. And this movie focuses on just the rampant poaching, which is so disgusting, mm-hmm. and the trade of the body parts of endangered species. This is very... And rhino horns and stuff like that. It's, it's terrible It's stuff. very dangerous, but it's, you know... Some, A, people are desperate for money that live in the culture, and then other people are just coming in and, like, scooping stuff up. So Gorillas in the Mist is a great eye-opener as far as the threat of a likely extinction um, and gorilla tourism is concerned. And it's got Sigourney, and everyone loves Sigourney. I mean, it's one of her 80s Oscar nominations. I think she got three in that in the And decade, just seeing so. gorillas, and you're like, that thing could crush you in a second if it wanted to. In that, without even trying. Without yes. <laughs> even trying. <clears throat> Forget how strong gorillas are, everybody. I assure you, they are stronger than you think. <laughs> They're way stronger the, than you think. Think about how strong you think gorilla is. It's, it's stronger. It's much that. stronger. So, all right. <laughs> I'm nervous. But what do you have? And I'm going to start out nicely so far. Okay, we're going to stay in Africa and we're going to talk about some killer lions. How's that sound? Killer lions. Killer lions. We're going back to 1996. We're going to get the Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas starring The Ghost and the Darkness. Have you seen it? Definitely not. This is a true story. Okay. True story-ish. We'll say ish because it's Always an, an ish. So Val Kilmer uh, is working on, uh, he's Sir Robert Beaumont. So they're behind schedule on building a railroad in Africa. Uh, they're, so they're like, you know, pushing through the uncharted areas of um, the country as they're trying to modernize it a little bit. All of a sudden, it turns out that the foreman of the... Uh, the whole shebang there turns up mutilated and ripped apart, and it looks like it's done by a couple of lions in the Kalahari Desert. Well, that, so, that'll, that'll happen. Not great. So they're like, all right, not going to be a big deal. We should be able to be fine with this. And it happens again. And it happens again. And it starts happening. Is this getting, a serial killer lion? There's a pair of lions that are just going around <laughs> and just killing people that worked on this crew that's, left and right. That's interesting. It got so bad that they actually had to bring in like a famed hunter to try to combat the lions to find out what was well, happening. Well, I think that that's actually like when an animal might get it. It's like with a wolf or something finds a farm. They're like, oh, no, there's nothing you can do now that it knows it can eat farm animals. So maybe oh, yeah. these lions are like, oh, once we realized we can easily kill humans, that's it then. Oh, yeah. this is That's what Michael Douglas, who plays the the hunter in this movie, uh, 
Remington, I think his last name is. But he's like, yeah, once they get like a taste for flesh and they know they can do it, they're just going to keep doing it. You got to remember, these are basically giant cats. Sure. (laughs) They'll do whatever they want. We know this. Always be happy that house cats are the size they are because if they were like size of lions, they would rule the world (laughs) easily. Um, It's a pretty good action movie. Uh, We got Michael Douglas with his fantastic 90s hair. We got Val Kilmer Mm. right out of Batman Forever. So he's... He's in top form as well. Yeah. It's a good, like, um, mid-90s action flick. Good. I don't know how I missed it. I'm kind of surprised, too. I thought for sure, like, Michael mid-90s Michael Douglas and Lion Attacks when it got Love together. him, yes. So, like, if you're looking for a good one, go check out uh, Ghost in the Darkness. It's worth uh, worth worth the check out. Okay. Check out. Look it up, too. Read the books about these um, lions, too, because there's a couple of them out there. I'm not. I was more afraid. Thank you for easing yeah. me into your choices. Always happy to get people afraid of lion attacks. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to go then with a lion one, um, but it's like a much nicer one than that. All right. This is the movie Born Free from 1966. This is an old one. It's based on Joy Adamson's nonfiction book from 1960, which is the same name, Born Free, which is great. It's a great book. And I'm going to say this is one of the best movies ever made on wildlife. Okay. So from three lion cubs that were rescued two of which got sent to the Rotterdam Zoo in the Netherlands, and then they ended up raising the third one, which is Elsa the Lioness, um, Mm. well into maturity. And then everything that is in between belonging to the wild and being around human settlement, this movie is like just, it really warms the heart from the beginning to the end. So now Elsa, she's an adult lioness, and this is a real story, and she gets into trouble with the villagers (laughs) because, you know, She's a big cat. And then they face this pressure of either sending her to a zoo or back to the wild. And they feel that the zoo is out of the question. So in three months' time, the Adamsons work hard on reintroducing Elsa to the wild. And they succeed. And then after a year of separation, the Adamsons return to Kenya with hopes of finding Elsa again. And they do. And she totally remembers them and loves them. And now she has three cubs of her own. This Aww. is like, it's such a beautiful story. It's really beautifully shot, too. Um, it's brilliantly scored by John Barry. The soundtrack was a really big deal for this film. This is a bona fide tearjerker classic. I also highly recommend the book. You need to check out Born Free. Oh, I like you doing these. These are nice stuff. lions. Those are good lions. Probably watch that one second. Try to re- reaffirm <laughs> your faith. Clear, clear your palate from bad lions. Just, just a big old kitty rolling around. I know, air. right? She probably brought the pups. He's like, hey, come check out these check out these little babies. I've got things on my bucket list, but either rolling around with a wolf or one of the big cats is definitely on there. Please let um, it happen. Make sure you if you ever get a wish, you phrase that differently. Because, <laughs> well, you say roll, you get wish mastered on good that. Good call. There, there's parameters around that. <laughs> oh, you want to roll around with lions, do you? <laughs> They're like, no problem. All right, what else do you have? All right, we're going to go from killer lions. Let's go over to killer sharks, shall we? I like that idea. We're going to go with 2016's The Shallows with Blake Lively. Okay, I didn't know if you are jumping right into Jaws. but I'm not going to do Jaws. We're going to go a little bit outside the... Outside the uh, I think the I heard parameter. The Shallows was okay. It's actually very good. This is okay. one of those movies that the trailer was on all the time. Like, yeah. You couldn't turn on TV without seeing a commercial for The Shallows. And then the movie came out and it's actually pretty good. So it's about Blake Lively. She goes to this secluded beach. Uh, I think it's Australia. Not totally positive on that one. She's going to this uh, secluded beach that her parents went to. She's like, I'm going to go surfing here. My dad just died. It's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be cathartic. Yeah. She goes out there and turns out she just happens to be in the location of a giant killer shark. 
That just starts tearing people up. Is she wearing a wetsuit? She is wearing a wetsuit. Is though. that why she? it's trying to attack her? Because they always say usually they think it's a seal then. Um, no, no, I don't think it is because it attacks a couple other people that just happen to not listen to Oh, it's to just her. a bad mood shark. Okay. Yeah, it's just a bad shark on this cove. Uh, it's beautifully shot. It's a, actually a surprisingly intense movie. Um, you know, sometimes shark attack movies can be a little bit predictable, and this one to an extent is, but it's still it's got some good um, set pieces. It's very kinetic. It's a shorter movie, so it's not going to be you're not going to be there for two hours trying to figure out what's going on. How's this lady going to get out of the water? Kind of situation. Yeah, she has to deal with like rising and lowering tides. So like you know, some land will become available at some parts of the day. But it like sounds others... like it make me very anxious. Like you're very nervous watching it. Oh yeah, and there's numerous points where you f- you know you feel like you can relax a little bit and calm down, and as soon as you do, like oh yeah, here's like, that here's that shark again, just popping up to terrify you. And I can't help it. The librarian in me does need to mention to any listeners: just keep in mind that for every 100 million sharks killed per year, about six to eight humans are killed by sharks every year. Oh, we got so one. keep that in perspective, please. <laughs> we like, we, we kind of need some of these sharks, everybody. Don't we're, take we're, them all we're out. We're doing some damage. They're not that dangerous. But, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I, I have meant to check that film out. Yeah, so it's a good one. Uh, well, I don't think we're dealing with the great white here. So you get a different kind of shark to be terrified about. That's always good. That's always good, yes. <laughs> and, it, it, and for all of you Brought people, in my fear. <laughs> and with anybody who's got kind of my mindset, yes, there's some good gore in this movie. So don't worry about that. You're going to be happy with that. Come check it out. It's a good flick. And it's got Blake Lively, so you can just look at her face. That, that's never a bad thing. That's never a bad thing. Um, okay, this film, you must have seen it as a child. The Bear, 1988. Oh, you bet I saw okay, The Bear. I think everybody right. already said to see The Bear. Oh, The Bear. So this is from director Jean-Jacques Anad. He crafted... It's an incredibly beautiful film. I don't care what anyone says. Like This story revolves around an orphan bear cub who befriends an adult male grizzly bear who is also pursued by hunters. And these are real bears. This Mm -hmm. is pre-CGI stuff. So between bonding and escaping from the hunters, the two bears form a deep friendship. And they have many adventures together. And one such adventure leads to their separation, capture of the bear cub by the hunters. Oh, no. And a chance incident that results in a change of heart from one of the hunters. Mm-hmm. You can't ask for more than that. It's beautiful. It is. It's a very nice movie. So. It's so nice. And I'm just going to. It's from 1988. So I don't care about spoilers. But the movie ends with the two grizzly bears reuniting after a scary encounter of the cub with a cougar. But, you know, when the big grizzly comes up, that cougar's like, I don't. Yeah, he's and like, then they're, they're friends again. And you should just watch this movie for the adorable friendship between two unlikely companions. This big old male grizzly. I mean, these male grizzlies are usually just killing little cubs. They're like, I don't care about you. Yeah. And not to mention grizzly bears, just about the scariest creature on land. In Holy the cow. Earth. And that, I think, the use of live action bears made for some truly astonishing shots in the film. And it really led to a feeling of authenticity that has been unmatched by its peers. Even like, this is I, a real deal. Even like, I haven't seen that movie in, oh, it's got to be. 20, 30 years. Yes, almost. for sure. But I still remember that scene where the dude's like in a waterfall and there's the bear just like screaming in his With face. With his huge mouth and you're like, no, I would just fall down dead. Yeah, literally, <laughs> I would I'm just out. explode like Dr. Manhattan was looking at me or something. <laughs> just by total fear, just gone. But Yeah, it's, but it's a lovely film. You get great wildlife shots. Yeah, I mean, if it really upsets you, just go watch like The Revenant or something. You get, get a nice pay, that'll be a different palette. Oh, for you. man, that's hard to watch. It's a good movie, but it's... Ooh. Yeah, that scene, though, is very... That's a, that's a rough one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about The Revenant again some other time. 
You know what? I gotta I gotta make it a little more lighthearted here. I'm gonna make okay. it an easy one. 1997's Mouse Hunt. If you do you remember this little fun little family flick? Is this like a caper? I don't really remember. Well, it's kind of a caper kind of thing. Um, so it stars Nathan Lane and Lee Evans with Christopher Walken popping up. Uh, well, I am mad that I don't remember this. So it is a period piece. It's set in like the 1930s, I believe. So the Schmunz brothers are <laughs> down on their luck, buddy. Um, brothers. Uh, Nathan Lane plays a chef who has like a bad incident at his restaurant. So basically nobody wants to come to get his food anymore. I know. Lee Evans is kind of just kind of a, you know, kind of a loser schmuck like he always plays. He's He's the, okay. um, the guy on those Walker stilts and something about Mary, if you don't remember who that mm-hmm. guy is. So all of a sudden they find out their dad's dead and he leaves them an old decrepit house that they find out's worth a ton of money. So as they're refurbishing it, they find out there's a little itty bitty mouse in this house that could totally ruin the value of it. So they go about trying to kill the mouse, but <laughs> in typical Home Alone-esque fashion... They are outsmarted by this mouse at every turn. I have to say, Jacob, I like that in your wildlife movie choice, you picked one single mouse. I love that about you. He is. This is this is not just any mouse, Michelle. <laughs> he, he's got a little bed in there. He's got his whole house rigged <laughs> with like wires and stuff. To is it a real on. mouse? It's half and half. There okay. is a, there are real mice. Except when they, he's like crawling into bed or something, then it's a little CGI. Okay. Or when they have to like have it emote as it's like <laughs> pin, pinned to a wall with a nail in its face. There's, there's a hole. It's, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you could actually get to watch some impressive little work they did with this train mo- um, mouse that they had in here. It's an adorable little movie. It's, it'll put a smile on your face. And Nathan Lane, at this point, these two are just great as the leads. They're having fun. You're going to have fun. You get to find out like all different ways to have a mouse cause catastrophe in pre-depression America. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a time everybody wants to return to? I do remember... Um a mouse being in my one apartment and my cat picked it up and then jumped on the couch and sat next to me and I was like, what's up? And looked and then he opened his mouth and dropped the mouse onto me. Did you, I hope you pet the cat because he's like, look what I did, mom. I did a good thing. I was not happy about anything. <sighs> See, and then I was like, pick it back up and take it outside. It was, it was a gift for you. It was for you. Do you know they say that the cats bring you mice not as a gift, but because they're constantly trying to teach you how to be a better hunter. You know, I saw that. Like, yeah. Cats think you're just a terrible cat. And that's they're like, why they're all like, you do is sit here and watch TV. I am trying to help you. Like, how are you ever going to survive in the wild if you cannot catch even and mice? And I'm like, whatever, cat. All you do is sleep 18 hours a day, but whatever. Um, <laughs> Our cats hate us, everybody. All right. So sometimes the best stories in life are the real ones. And that is the case with 2005's March of the Penguins. Oh, that's a classic right there. That is. It's a documentary narrated by Morgan Freeman, so you know it's perfect. Um, And this film follows the life of a group of emperor penguins beginning at the end of summer in Antarctica. And you get to watch the penguins. They're traveled to their breeding grounds. Um, We're treated to scenes of their natural mating rituals and the journey from egg to hatchling. It is fascinating and just absolutely charming about a species that is still really shrouded in a lot of mystery um, because of where they're located. But I'm going to say that only the most hardened souls would not be moved by this heartwarming documentary. Oh, yeah. This is like the beginning of like the penguin sounds. There was a while there where penguins (laughs) were just all over the place. Like the, the director of Mad Max won an Oscar for a movie about singing penguins. That tells you how deep I mean, they're the just, penguin love but they're is. so adorable. Penguins are pretty cute. They're always wearing <laughs> little suits. I always get confused about pe- the South Pole is penguins, right? Like in the South, right? Because the North, it's too cold. 
I'm going to stick by that. I think that I was going to say it was both, but that they're different species of penguin. See, I got to go back and watch March of the Penguins 2. And then I can learn the rest of it. Yeah, because like these are emperor penguins. Yeah, these are like the best. If you're, like, but they have different ones. Imagine a penguin. That's an emperor penguin. More than likely is what you're thinking and about. And watching them trying to like trade that egg back and forth. But if it's out in the cold for like one millisecond, the egg will freeze and die. It's it's very stressful. Yeah, there's, there's some intense stuff going on there. <laughs> there really is. It's a fantastic film. You have to see it. Oh, All pe- right. Penguin love, man. Gotta love it. You've had good suggestions. I was expecting like... <laughs> Rampart with what's it the rock and oh, a gorilla fighting and oh, stuff. Well, I thought about it. I thought about it, but I have saved the worst for last because okay. I always like I always like to annoy you with my choices. At I some do point. appreciate. So you. we're gonna go to 1982 with the Beastmaster. Have you seen this movie, Michelle? I, mean, I think I that's don't the think voice so. of. Oh, you haven't? Oh boy. I don't think so. I think that Andrew will listen to this and be like, "You've never seen Beastmaster," and then I'll have to. That's your weekend. So. <gasps> In the days of uh, shameless Conan ripoffs came The Beastmaster from 1982, as we previously said, starring Mark Singer, Tanya Roberts, Rip Torn, and the dad from uh, Good Times wearing leather outfits that none of these folks should really be seen again. Okay. Um, Basically what this movie is about, it's your sword and sandal kind of uh, sorcerer movie where this guy is born with this innate ability where he can talk and communicate with animals. So after a bunch of the evil kingdom comes and destroys his village, he starts talking to his friends that include like a, there's a panther in there. He's got like an eagle that he's hanging out with. There's a couple of ferrets that he's friends with. I think I've seen those. I <laughs> thought I thought you might have. <laughs> yeah. So basically they are just running around this um, pre-medieval, think like Hyborian Conan-esque environment. Okay. Yeah. Running into all sorts of shenanigans and mystical doings-ons. Just to go and eventually kill the evil emperor and save the people of whatever the na- fake name of his world is. So this is old. So real animals. Oh, real animals, real stunts, real everything. Okay. Like, there is uh, like panthers jumping on stuntmen. And you're like, <laughs> you should not be doing that. That's it's like unsafe. I'm not. I hope I get overtime for this. There's like eagles um, coming down and again going at people's faces. You're like, <laughs> who approved this? Like that seemed like either you do. Um, camera trickery or like fake animals or something, but not the 80s, man. <laughs> They're like slap some meat on this guy and have the animal run at him. And It'll those eagles, like, that would be no joke. Oh, Did you see like their t- their talons are like just so long. And they They're go, insane. they go right for the eyes every time. Oh my gosh, I think I've told this story so many times, and I do apologize because I have memory problems. <laughs> when but Michelle tell was you attacked about, by an eagle. <laughs> no, when I so when I lived in Japan. There was, oh my God, this day. I was in a restaurant. We were just finishing up. So I was standing in the door looking out into the street where people walked. My friends were inside taking care of stuff. And there was a man walking down the street and he had like a bag of nuts or something in his hand. Okay, this is just a man walking down the street. Boop, boop, boop. And all of a sudden I look up and I see this giant hawk. And I'm just like, I'm the only one looking at it. And I watch it just pull its wings back and it dives. It just shoots down like a missile. And it takes its claws, it rips the nuts out of this man's <laughs> hands and takes off. And his hand is shredded. No but doubt. he never even saw the eagle. So this man was existing, <laughs> then all of a sudden his hand was ripped to shreds and his nuts were gone. And he literally was just standing there, like completely <laughs> in shred. And I was like, oh my God, I like would. I saw this happen. And then people were coming up to him. He was like frozen. Like he was in complete shock. Like, like, 
boom, I my would, hand is destroyed. I would still be screaming. From it, that, like. it was so fast. But man, you need to be careful. When you see hawks run, you got food in your hands. You better watch out. I saw like a random bird fly into the back of a guy's head once. But that's about the best that I got for weird bird stories. I like that though too. I like. I can't believe I'm actually. I can't believe I'm still not laughing about that. <laughs> I, I, I think I did laugh out loud at the guy. I felt bad, but I'm like, dude, a bird just flew in your head. That was fantastic. I mean, I wasn't laughing at the man with the ham, but I was like, holy cow! Like, oh my god, that was kind of amazing. Sorry about your hand. I, I, I got to be honest. I probably would have been running. I'm like. Looking up and then getting oh, the heck gone. out of there. Oh, it was gone. It was like, bang, got my nuts, happy. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking for killer eagles at that point. I'm like, get me out of here. This is seriously wild. Okay, my last film here will be Duma from 2005. Heard of it, never seen it. So this movie should have come with the tagline just, how to travel the African wilderness with a cheetah. That's pretty much the okay. premise. But it is based on a true story um, called How It Was with Dooms by Carol Kothwa Hopcraft and Nailed her it. son, Zan Hopcraft. So Duma is sent in South African countryside and it revolves around a rescued orphan cheetah cub. Come on, man. Why can't I find me a cheetah cub? Little adorable animals. And this young boy, Zan, and his family decide to take care of the cub, naming him Duma, to later release him into the wild. So this plan hits a roadblock after a family tragedy. So along with Duma, Zan and his mother have to move to Johannesburg. Um, again, Duma has disastrous adventures in the city. We've heard this before. A, lo- you a lot of people have had disastrous things in bring, Johannesburg. Br- and, but bringing big cats in is never good. So Zan and Duma flee and head to Botswana, where the cub can be free in the wild. And thus begins their adventures through the harsh. There's salt pans and desert and deltas and mountains. And, you know, Duma ends up hearing the call of the wild, and Zan realizes that this is where they have to part ways. It's a happy ending because Duma is reunited with the wild, but this is an old-fashioned, richly textured family film that everyone can enjoy. Ah, it sounds adorable. Those wildlife films don't really work. Like a lot of kids' films, you know, you might be bored or you're not into them, but when they're kids' films that have like wildlife, they're somehow you're like, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Because it's still really beautiful. I mean, in my own warped sense, I'm always happy because there's always a chance for ultraviolence uh, <laughs> so, in a children's material. So there I'm you all, go. I'm always all about that, man. We learn we learn a lot about you every day, Jacob. But while you're there, why don't you plug us up? So do you feel like you are wandering through a desert and don't know where you're going? <laughs> well, you know where you can go. Come down to your local library. We got 37 branches all across Erie County. Stop on by and say hi. Uh, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalo.com. FollowLIB.org and you know, check out all our books and wildlife videos and all that. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at All Booked Up Pod and let us know what your favorite wild animal movies are. Okay, I could I could do animal facts all day, oh, sure. but I, I, I narrowed them down. Dogs to can't some look up. That's what I'm sticking with. Okay, sure. Did you know one species of jellyfish is immortal? It mm. can revert back to its child state after having become sexually mature, and therefore it never dies. Mm. Just keeps going. <laughs> just on a weird little Russian doll loop. Yeah, just boop, boop, boop. Um, a snail can sleep for three years at a time. Lucky guys. <laughs> like, you know what? This isn't going my way. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a snooze. And like, see how right, things are. All right, guys. Uh, it's pretty boring around here. It's 2019. I'm just gonna take a little nap. <laughs> Wake me up in three years. Hopefully, it's gotten better. This is crazy when you actually think about the length of a second, because honeybees can flap their wings 200 times per second. Mm. 
That's hard for my brain to even fathom. That's I mean, amazing. I could do that. I just I don't feel like it. Oh, okay. Too early. I get it. Did you know that reindeer eyeballs turn blue in the winter to help them see at lower light levels? Yikes. You, that's you're, something. You like look in the woods and you're like, oh, I'm I'm so out that, of here. There's a fact that if you don't know and you're in the Arctic, you're going <laughs> to freak out about the first time you see it. Um, And this one, this is like my favorite. Right. Did you know that polar bears have black skin and see-through fur? Let me no, break let me break this down for you. Actually. So this is a little science lesson too. As we all know, like an object's color in general is determined by what color of light it reflects. Sure. So a red car is reflecting red light, it's absorbing all the other colors, and a black object is absorbing all the colors and reflecting none. White, on the other hand, is a reflection of all colors. That's why wearing, you know, white in the summer feels better than wearing black. So underneath their heavy coat, polar bears polar bears have black skin. This is an adaptation to help them absorb as much heat as possible from the sun's rays. And I know you're probably thinking, but doesn't white fur just reflect it away? Well, no, because their fur is not white. It's hollow and it's made of transparent keratin with little or no pigmentation in it. So when sunlight hits the bear, it undergoes a complex scattering process within the fur with a small amount of light eventually being reflected. The rest is just all absorbed. Since the sun's light is white, it's the color we perceive polar bears to be. Dude, that is metal. That is a metal fact right there, dude. Totally metal. It's amazing. Wildlife is amazing. Always aim to protect it. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you next time. Bye.